0: Jesus's farewell discourse, his parting words to his disciples as he tells them what he wants them to remember, as he gives them words to shape their ministries going forward, as he gives them words to shape their relationships with one another so that they know how to relate to one another in his absence, as he gives them words about what it's going to look like for them to relate to God when he, God himself in the flesh, departs from them. He wants them to know that they're not going to be alone, that he's sending the Spirit to be with them, and that as the Spirit is with them, the Spirit will do for them the things that Jesus has already been doing for them. The Spirit will provide them the nourishment, the sustenance, the life that they need. The Spirit will, by the Spirit's power, enable them to do even greater things than Jesus has done as they continue the ministry of his gospel. So Jesus is continuing in speaking to them about who he is and who they are and who they are called to be by the power of the Spirit in his absence. And he shifts to a metaphor that we're going to read together this morning. We're going to read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Hear this word. I'm the true vine, and my Father is is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So in the previous chapter, Jesus has told the disciples both that he is their way and truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through him, and also that he won't leave them alone, that he will send the Spirit to abide with them. We hear these things, and we hear them as kind of theological abstractions, that these things don't have that much impact on our life. Until we get to this last verse that Jesus says today. I say these things to you so that my joy might be in you and so that your joy might be made complete. You see many people in the world who aren't a part of the church, they think that Christians are just sticks in the mud, always trying to follow rules, always trying to please a very angry God, that they never know how to have any fun At all, Billy Joel, one of my favorite musicians, I grew up listening to him, and my mom's Oldsmobile, as we uh, after we finally got a CD player in the car. One of his lines is, "I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints." There's this sense that that's what the church is—just mournful, sad, boring, never any kind of fun kind of life. And what Jesus is telling us today is that in him is where we find complete joy. That those saints who might find themselves crying today are finding more joy in their lives than ever will be found in empty laughter and pursuits. Jesus says that he wants you to have complete joy. Who wouldn't want that? Is that something that you came here thinking God might be able to give you today? Or were your expectations less than that? Because Jesus has come that his joy might be in you, and that your joy might be complete. That it might be perfect. Jesus' joy, true joy, perfect joy. So as Jesus breaks out into this analogy saying that he is the vine and we are the branches, he's making a bold claim again about who he is. You shouldn't be surprised that he's making it. He's been making bold claims about who he is from the very beginning of the gospel and John the Baptist has been saying it about him before that and the gospel writer John has been telling us even before that Jesus is the word of God made flesh. But here... Jesus gives us something new. As Jesus calls himself the vine, he's calling to mind passages of the Old Testament where Israel is named as the vine, where Israel is named as the people of God that God tends. I'm going to hear these words from uh, Psalm 80, verse 8. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It set down its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You get something similar in Isaiah 5 as well, that that the Isaiah, the prophet, speaks of Israel as the vine of the Lord, the vine that the Lord will prune, the vine that the Lord will restore to life, the vine that the Lord has loved and desires to grow and bear fruit. So as Jesus says that he is the vine, he's putting himself in the place of Israel. And all of these statements, by the way, are associated also with the judgment of Israel with their exile and their wondering if God is really going to tend to their life over a long period of time. And who is Jesus as the vine but the one who is first pruned? Pruned. The one who bears the judgment of Israel on their behalf. The one who is treated as if he is nothing there on that tree. And we, we though we were not originally a part of Israel, though we aren't by blood descendants of Abraham, through Christ and his spirit, we get grafted into him through baptism. The spirit that can do all things brings us into the one who is the promise of the ages and gives us life. From the vine comes nutrients. From the vine comes water. Com- from the vine comes everything but light that the branches need to grow and to produce good fruit. Everything depends on them being connected to the vine. The branches themselves are worthless if you cut them off They'll die. They'll wither up. Not even the sun is enough to make them bear fruit if they're not connected to the vine. So we, those who are grafted in through baptism to the vine of Israel, which is Jesus himself, we abide in Christ. Abide is a word that we don't use a whole lot. Sometimes we think it means simply something like live, but the word here is the same word that was used for uh, the dwelling places that Jesus promised the disciples where he's going. It means to remain, to dwell, to stay in it. It's not just to live or to have life or something like that. There's a sense of continuation now and forever abide, stay, remain. And Jesus gives us pretty simple instructions for what it looks like to abide in him. In fact, they're so simple that we think it just couldn't be true that complete joy is found in these simple, simple commands. You know, one of the most frustrating things when I call customer support about uh, something that's not working the way that it's supposed to, a computer or an internet router or a phone or whatever else, they always walk you through the most basic things that seem so ridiculous. Is it turned on? Yes, it's turned on. Is it plugged in? It's, it's plugged in, that's why it's turned on. And you on and on it goes. They're asking, have you have you restarted it? Well, yes, I did think to restart it before I called. And on and on it goes. But if those questions didn't make a difference, they would not waste everyone's time asking it. And there have been times where I've called and I've said, yes, it's plugged in. And they say, have you looked to make sure it's all the way connected? And if I look, I realize it's a little bit loose. The connections seem silly. The instructions seem silly until you realize that In fact, you are prone to making silly mistakes. As Jesus gives us these simple commandments to abide in him, we think it couldn't possibly be that simple. And so we try to make it more complex. We try to say there must be more to finding complete joy than what Jesus gives us here. But it's not. He gives us everything that we need. Abide in my love by keeping my commandments. And what are his commandments? To love God. He says, "Believe in God, believe also in me. Love God and love one another. A new commandment I give you," Jesus has says, has said, "Love one another even as I have loved you, so you ought to love one another." Love your family? That's great. Even the worst sinners love their families, those who love them. Love the people that you've been in church with all your life. That's a good thing. Even the Pharisees do that, Jesus says. Love one another, all of the ones that Jesus has loved. Love God and love one another. Could it really be that simple? I think it has to be. Because you see, if each one of us is grafted into the same vine, if each of us is grafted into Jesus with his life, his nourishment, his energy pulsing through us, we've all been connected to the same thing. Not just a thing, but a person. We are all in Christ together. And if that's true, by definition, we can't pull ourselves apart from each other without also disconnecting from the vine. There are two aspects to this connection. One, which we've already talked about, to follow the simple commandments of God to love one another. And then there's this other aspect that if we are branches on the same vine, we can't disconnect ourselves from each other without withering up and dying. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, this picture begins to make sense of it. You see, if our neighbors are connected to the same vine as we are, if their lives are running off the same nourishment ours are, when they become ill, we become endangered. When the other branches on the vine become unhealthy or diseased, We're in danger, too. When they start using more resources than they need, then the rest of the vine becomes in peril. Love your neighbor as yourself in Christ is a holistic proposition that you can't want your life without also wanting the life of your neighbor because it's all coming from Jesus. This isn't a selfish motivation. It's a recognition of to whom we are connected. That through Jesus, we are connected to one another. So Jesus wants to us to abide in him. To abide in the one who is our way, our truth, and our life. And this sounds terribly difficult and abstract. How in the world can we abide in Jesus? What can it mean to remain in him? But as with all of the other signs that he's done, where he's taken simple actions and done extraordinary things, Jesus promises to do that again. Live in the means of grace. Read scripture regularly. Join together in true Christian fellowship where you can talk about how your your faith impacts your life. Gather together to worship with the Lord's people, to sing his praises, and to be formed by his word. Fast and pray. Surely these things couldn't lead to complete joy. That would be way too easy. But it's deeply simple. You see, the world thinks that Jesus' commandments steal our joy. That they rob us of our time. Who has time to take time for quiet time in the morning or in the evening? Who has time to be at church as much as is expected of you? Do you know all the things that we have to do? All of the things that we really enjoy doing? There's golf, there's hunting, there's sports to watch and sports to play. There's TV to watch, books to read, people to spend time with all of the things that we love to do, why would we do these things that don't bring us any joy? You see, we don't trust that Jesus really knows the way for us to find his joy, for us to find complete joy. We'd rather trust our own inclinations. We'd rather find it ourselves, even though time and time again, those things have proven to us to be empty. We've invested our life in shoots that grow out from us as the branches that do not produce fruit. We produce growths, in fact, that prevent our fruit, that sends our energy in the wrong direction and as a vine is inclined to do, grow in on ourselves where the things that we've been investing keep the light from getting to what would produce fruit. And we need to be pruned We need God to come and identify the idols and the sin in our lives that pulls us away from God, that lets us think that we can find joy somewhere else and to draw us back to the simplicity of the faith that Jesus invites us to. To love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, not only in word, but in action, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, not only in word, but in action. So part of what Jesus is saying as we are connected to him is that we are going to be pruned. That the vine dresser is going to come in and identify those growths which are not going to bear fruit. And he's going to cut them off so that what we are about, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, can be the only thing that we're about. The Father is going to prune the vine, even the best branches on the vine so that they can produce more and more fruit. And the fruit that God wants us to bear is not, as we might first think, conversions. The fruit of discipleship is not first convincing other people to love Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit that is in us as we are connected to Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Complete joy in Christ. Sometimes we think that if we're going to bear fruit, we have to convince people to follow Jesus as we are. And we lose sight of the way that God's fruit is simple in us. These dispositions... I'm going to say them again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are these, are, are these the fruits that abiding in Jesus is producing in you? Is this the fruit of the Spirit in you? Because when others see that fruit in you, They are going to want to abide in Christ too. When they see the joy that you have found in Christ, they will want it. And they will plead with the vine dresser to graft them in also. Fruit. Simple fruit is how we glorify the Father. It's what he's working on all along. This is what he wants to see in us. The fruit of the Spirit Bursting forth from our lives as we abide in Jesus. Jesus wants to put us in a posture so that we can bear fruit. The last thing I want to point out today is that as Jesus describes himself as a vine and us as the branches. If you've ever looked at a grapevine, it's not always clear which is the vine and which is the branches. Where does the vine stop and the branch begin? Certainly, there are breakoffs, but some of those breakoffs have further breakoffs, and on and on it goes. It's hard to say where the vine is and where the branches are. And as we are grafted into the vine and abide in him, we begin to look so much like the vine that you can't tell the difference. We begin to look so much like Jesus, who has already loved us that his love is flowing through us in such a way that we are completely a part of him. Last week he said it this way, I will be in you and you will be in me and we will be in the Father. Are you abiding in Jesus? Is that the primary source of your joy, the primary source of your love, the primary source of your satisfaction, where you know that your life comes from? And if not, are you willing to let God prune those things that you're investing in that are not bringing you into life that lasts? Are you willing to let God prune you so that you can bear fruit that brings God satisfaction and lets you abide in the fullness of the joy of Christ? Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we know that we want to be joyful that we want to be filled with joy. But we're not always convinced that the way to joy is in your commandments. We're not always convinced that the way to joy is abiding in you and offering to you our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strength. We're not always sure that loving our neighbor is going to pay off, We're not sure that it's going to make the difference that we want or give us the satisfaction that we desire. But as your people, we trust your word. And so we covenant with you as you have already covenanted with us to abide in you, to remain in you, to find our life our joy, our hope in you, and as we do that, to watch the beautiful fruit that you bear in our lives as you make us more and more like you. This we pray in your name. Amen.